On the north side of Chicago It's the coolest bar in town And if you go up there You better just beware You're gonna find a bunch of clowns It's a mad, mad, crazy bar The whole damn place is just so bizarre Full of all the vice and sin where do we even begin? Tip your bartenders. Well, hello, everybody. This is Pub Crawlers, and I'm sitting across from the genius. Hi, genius. Hi. How come you make me do that now? Because I like to be introduced. introduced. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so thanks for tuning in to another episode of As the I, Ale I think House this Turns. Is like number forty six. No way. No way. It's like thirty six, seven. No, I think we're forty. I something. don't know. Um, you, you know, it's not about quantity; it's about quality. And we've got both. Bruce. Uh, hi to uh, <laughs> to Rock and Roll Ruth and to Jordan. Our true shining star of the show. I'll say. And Jordan shows up on time, by the way. Yes, yes, he does. He's an, unlike, ama- he's an amazing human being. Unlike our little go-to girl. No. Go-to girl's very busy right now, so. Oh, yes. Our, nobody else is. I'm sure know, Jordan's not busy. It's, I'm sure nobody's busy. The problem with a lot of the stuff that I do, though, is that it's not 9 to 5 based. So it creates problems <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but alas, that's another story. Um, I'm excited today to talk about lots of things. Um, we, uh, had a a fun weekend of sorts. Um, myself and Rock and Roll Ruth and Jojo and Phil the Mogul and that was really the core. And then we had other people went on Saturday night to see, uh, Mike Shannon sing with a band at the Metro, and that was really good. I really wasn't sure what to expect. It was a very last-minute thing. Uh, We knew that he was playing, um, but the lineup was kind of weird, and we got there right when, like, the first act was supposed to go on, and it was like, it it wasn't a Cure cover band, as I would describe it, but they were Cure-esque. I'll I'll look at Jordan when I'm doing this, because Bruce doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um... And they were really good. And then the second band came on, and they were horrific. So some of us went next door to the G-Man Tavern to uh, throw back a few. And then we went um, back to the Metro, and the band started playing. And Mike wasn't there yet. But it was a Bowie cover band. And it was really awesome. They did a great job. The Rock and Roll Ruth doesn't like Bowie. I, I, I don't understand. What? Well, you know, she doesn't like elec- like more electronic. She likes the traditional classic rock stuff. Well, I, I would agree with that. If I had to pick that crap, uh, that bubblegum crap, I would go traditional. So, um, yeah, it was really nice, neat to watch. And then they did a set, and then they took a break, and then they did a set. And then Mike came on and played three different songs. And then there was more, a couple more sets. And it was like literally like done at like... 12:30 a.m. It was pretty great. Um, so yeah, that's that was a fun time supporting Mike and watching him sing. He did a really nice job. He has a nice stage presence, which isn't surprising since he's a good actor. Um, but it was a nice little like spontaneous sort of alehouse riffraff gathering in a different space. That's always nice to see every now and then. Um, but I know that you, of course, don't like live music. Well, I went and saw Michael a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, he's a good performer. I couldn't tell what he was singing. It was so goddamn loud. But, um, you know, he puts on a good show. Have you ever seen him on YouTube? He likes to take his shirt off a lot. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. Um, I like live. What are you talking about? I don't like live music. I like music. M-U-S-I-C music. You know, cellos, violins, pianos. That sort of music. A lot of the music that I listen to has those things incorporated into it. But you probably would not like it. Oh, I don't think there's a lot of doubt about it. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah, we had a nice time. Rock and Roll Ruth was able to... Uh, no, one, no one ever saw Rock and Roll Ruth. 
she got there uh, a little later, then scooted her way into the main stage and like got close, like the way she likes to. That's why she's called Rock and Roll yeah, Ruth. She, she likes to be up front. Yeah, you like to be on the third row. Um, but most of us went upstairs to the second uh, floor, and we got like uh, there's a railing, of course, because you don't want to fall over. And we all got nice and close to the railing, so it was like having front row seats for love. So as you can see, everybody, which is kind of fun. And then Phil the Mogul got uh, some all-access pass kind of thing because he's Phil the Mogul. And uh, got us into these little crevices and, and things. So it was really neat to see. Anyway, uh, you were not missed, Bruce, because you would have been complaining about something. Well, I wouldn't have been there. So, But Rock and Roll Ruth uh, had to skedaddle the show sooner than later because you were... I mean, she could have bitching been, and moaning about having to be at the bar waiting for her. Is that no, what that went? I wasn't bitching and moaning. She had a guilty conscience. Yeah, I did. I, I, I wasn't bitching and moaning. I was sitting here drinking and entertaining people. Now let's get this straight. You dropped her off. Yeah. You drove from Hyde Park to Wrigleyville yeah, and to it's, drop it's her a, off at Metro. And I will tell you what, I become violently ill whenever I'm in Wrigleyville, <laughs> oh, and especially when I see what the hell they're doing there. I mean, turning that that kind of classic ballpark into a goddamn real estate development. I mean, I really became... But the park itself is being improved immensely. It looks beautiful. We're going to get into this in a second, actually. But what I will say is, you dropped her off, and then she hung out for a while at Starbucks. <laughs> she, start, start, she hung out in Starbucks? Yeah, why, she, didn't Starbucks? Go, she didn't want to go listen to the loud music. Well, it was supposed to be punk bands, and I really don't like punk. I, well, I was afraid it might be really loud and just, like, give me a headache and make me just regret yeah. coming. So I wanted to keep kind of a fresh mind, and I wanted to be able to tolerate the Bowie stuff. Oh, my gosh, tolerate Bowie. Who says that? I don't that? like his voice. That's nuts. You know, I mean, I, when he came out in the <laughs> 70s, you know, the first... And, and then he did that Ziggy was he, as a, was that Was he just too weird for that you? Ziggy Stardust. I know. No, it, it, I don't, it was too sci-fi. It was too... And then all the theatrics, and I just thought... Eh. But that's what you loved about Moody Blues. I was just going to say, didn't theatrics. you like the Moody Blues? I love the Moody Blues. Yeah, but they were sci-fi. They were out there, no, too. They, they, yeah, they introduced no, different sort of yeah. instruments and were real yeah, space agey. Hang on, what's the most famous? Out. What's the most famous Moody Blues out th- song out there? The one. Doo-doo. Breathe deep. Yes, the no, coming doom. No, the gathering. Do whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's some funky, freaky ass no, shit. No, yes, it that's, is. That's poetry. That's, no, that's, well, you know, what do you think Bowie is? Bowie is. I really high feel poetry. we need some bubblegum real bad oh, now. You gotta always go back to something. Um, anyway, it was a great fucking show, and uh, you were feeling guilty for leaving Bruce at the bar? Well, he's, he's had a rough week, and I didn't want him, you know, looking at his clock, um, wondering, you know, well, what's going to happen next? I mean, he, he gets a little I don't know if you guys, about... if you two have ever heard of a thing called Lyft or no, Uber. That's what, I mean, she should, all she had to do is call and say, I'm going to... Well, See you at that. home, Bruce. No, well, yeah, but I was a perfect. I was, I was a perfect tired. soldier. I mean, after standing there. All for right, all so that the truth time. comes out. Yeah. Ah, she was tired. You didn't want to enjoy the loud rock and roll, and you were tired. Well, I didn't really like the loud rock and roll. It really wasn't my my thing. I think Ruth needs a name change. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, it was a good night. And on that note, it, I think... It was. I think and, and seeing Michael Shannon just was... Oh, and that was that was amazing. He, he, he is a performer. He is a stage man. What uh, instrument does he play? He nothing. He sang. He's vocalist. Gotcha. Um, all right, well, yeah, good night. So, uh, on that note, I think we should introduce our guest tonight because she's... I think itching to really chime in on a lot of this stuff, which is good. Which She's is already good. chimed. We like this. We like this. Yeah. Um, right, so lean forward, talking your microphone. I'm excited to introduce my friend, the Swedish sailor. We're gonna leave it at that, right? Well, I'd like to say what what an apt name that is, because when we were all going to Scotland, what was that like three years ago? So, uh, so I organized a, a trip through my company, History on Tap, uh, with Hawkeye to Scotland, and uh, it was Bruce, 
and a few other Ale House regulars and then a bunch of my friends and, and, and several of my sort of followers that do things with me. And several people were on the same flight to Scotland. And Bruce said to me, how am I going to recognize your two friends? And I said, well, one of them looks like a Swedish sailor and the other one looks like an Irish milkmaid. And he's like, okay. And then later on when we got well, to Scotland. no. So I'll tell you what happened then. So we were, we were, we were getting on our airplane. I'm sitting, Hawkeye and I, are, we, you know, we were speaking at the time. And so we're sitting together, and uh, I'm sitting down in my seat, and he's still standing in the aisle, putting his uh, stuff in the overhead. And all of a sudden, I hear him say, hey, are you the Swedish sailor, and are you the Irish milkmaid? <laughs> yeah, I can hear these two girls. They were. They were the Swedish sailor and the Irish milkmaid. Well, we didn't know that that's what our names were at that point, to be honest <laughs> well, with you. Well, you, you, can, you <laughs> yeah, identified we, yourself well, as we, such. we came and stood over... And, and by you guys and we were informed that that's who we were and we I remember clearly we looked at each other and laughed and I was like well I guess it's probably true you do kind of look like Irish milkmaid <laughs> and then she said well and you do kind of look like a Swedish sailor so that's it stuck yeah. I, I did a pretty good job with the description well, absolutely on the money I mean Hawkeye you know he's not known for his perceptiveness and he did <laughs> <laughs> and he he got it perfect um so I've known uh, the Swedish sailor for many, many years now. We met through a mutual friend, and we've been pals through throughout uh, the good and the bad, and uh, the pretty and the ugly. And the ugly, definitely. Um, and, but speaking of the ugly, you brought the ugly with you on that trip. Oh, God. All right, let's leave that there. <laughs> he doesn't mean me. I know. <laughs> no. no. Um, and then, I'm talking uh, about the creature of the Black Lagoon. I know. But Emerged we, from we, a lagoon in Michigan. I'm so over that, I'm her, mad. and that, and everybody affiliated you with You inflicted her, that on us. And Michelle shares my sentiments, too. Oh, I know she does. Swedish sailor. That's right. Would, uh, uh, yeah, the Swedish sailor. Yeah, the Swedish sailor. I think if uh, she ever came into contact with her, it would not be pretty. No, and it wouldn't be good for the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. I'll tell you that. From what I hear, she's avoiding me, so it works. It worked out. Yeah. <laughs> it works out good. Um, anyway, so uh, Bruce and company met the Swedish sailor and the Irish milkmaid during that trip. And afterward, it was a group that became very uh, cohesive and rather friendly, and we still all gather uh, at least once a year, but you well, know, possibly more there were at the some bar. There were some people that we excluded from. Well, they were not playing nice, and that was no, okay. They were assholes. The rich people. They were rich. What do I? What? I, what was my nickname for them? Sour pusses. The sour. The sour. Maybe it was the sour pusses. Yeah, yeah there was. Yeah. But I managed one of the sour. Uh, uh, one of the, two of the sour pusses were a couple. I managed to go a whole trip, like two, three weeks in Scotland, without ever speaking to them. I mean, which is really... You never said one word? Hmm? You never said one word? No. Wow. No, I avoided... I just couldn't stand the sight of them. Yeah, they were unfortunately not pleasant. Um, but by the end of the trip, they did crack smiles. So that was good. It took a lot of drinks and a lot of dancing yeah. at the Cayley. Oh, that's the That's, that's when they finally loosened up and actually talked to the rest of us and... Had some smiles on their faces. Boy, I was at that Kaylee dance. Um, the Colonel, who was uh, she was the best Hawkeye, Hawkeye's cousin, um, was a former Colonel, and she was married to a general or somebody like that. Who, and um, she's a widow. She dragged me out into the Kaylee uh, floor of the Kaylee dance and started throwing me around like a rag doll. <laughs> and uh, I could barely breathe when I got when she got done with me. It was a good trip. It was 10 fun-filled days of going in, in and out of pubs in Edinburgh and Glasgow and then making a train ride up to Sky and going hiking in the cold mountains. Oh, we mountains. had lots of fun. It was great. And uh, going to the, uh, the, Highland, the games. Highland Games. Yeah, that was awesome. And going into more pubs and eating lots of amazing food and fish and langoustines and drinking more and going into more pubs. And it was just a grand old time of drinking, dancing, eating distillery you went to the distillery yeah, that was good. I never went to the distillery shocker um, so anyway these yeah, two met didn't you have a run in with the cow on that uh, well, up in uh, yeah I do well no that's when you guys went and when uh, you saved um, 
Oh, that was the hike. Yeah. The hike. I think you guys went to what was the name of that mountain? Coolin Mountains. Coolin Mountains. I did. I went on my own independent hike and had a run in with some Scottish cows. And I told them I was from Chicago. I knew people. Nothing. Zero. Just fucking cows and you budge. Um, and there was no way to get around them because there was like a swamp on each side. It's cold over there. So that trip was August of 2015. So uh, wow. I know, right? Yeah. Another Time one flies. is due. Another one is due. Um, and then you guys just, uh, Mich- uh, Swedish Taylor Michelle, <laughs> um, started coming in here more regularly. And uh, here we are. So w- I thought it would be great to have her on as a guest because I think there are a lot of parallels to some of the stuff we talk about. Uh, on the show and in her life. So, uh, Swedish sailor, we always like uh, uh, to A, welcome you, and uh, B, um, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, and, and how you grew up. All right, well, I'm pretty um, honored to be asked, Liz. I've been listening to this. You and Bruce, this is, this is pretty... Um I can tell you've made it. You've made it, baby. I am. I yep. have made it. This pretty is much, amazing. It pretty much is it. Yeah. It's not getting any better now. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Look at that grin on his face. Um. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, know I how think, much detail you want me to go into. Well, I mean, no, I'm just your average the, Chicago regular. You, know? well, no, you grew we're, up in the city, which is yeah, significant. We're always interested in what neighborhood people grew up in right. Chicago. Okay, well, I'm from uh, it's the far north uh, side. It's like at Foster and, and Clark Street, basically. It's uh, Andersonville. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the Swedish sailor moniker that I was right. given yeah. uh, all that time ago. Well, plus your dad. I, I am. I, I literally am half Swedish and half Irish. I'm a product of that neighborhood. My dad's name is Sven. Um, his parents were both uh, Swedish immigrants. And uh, him and his uh, brothers, Voli and Jan, as my grandmother uh, <laughs> called them, uh, grew up there. And my mom, um, she pretty much grew up mostly in the Lakeview area, but then they moved when she was a teenager to... Andersonville and all the rest of her brothers and sisters went to Sun High School up there with with my uh, my dad. Is that is that the high school that? Yeah, it's up? huge. Yeah, yeah it's my a, my father went there. Oh yeah, I think we talked about that, Bruce. Yeah, that's the big neighborhood school. Um, so my mom's the oldest of nine, so I come from a big Irish family on that side. So uh, yeah, they my parents met in that neighborhood, and um, that's where I'm from. And then I raised my own two kids there, and I. I have a very strong connection and still feel like that's home, even though I haven't lived there now. And so you went maybe to nine, maybe eight, maybe eight, nine years or something like so that. So you went to school in the neighborhood. I went to St. Philip's Grade School, um, which is a little bit west of there. But my parents couldn't afford to send us all to Catholic high school because by that time the high schools weren't very, Pricey. the public schools weren't very good. So uh, we moved out to the horrible, very far northern suburbs for that era of my life. Which but I came one? Which home. one? Oh, it's it's uh, a bad memory. Uh, McHenry, Illinois. Oh, God. Super farm country. Oh, uh, gee, that's We were fish out of water, story. like literally fish out of water oh, up there. Well, dear. apropos for the herring thing. Was right? the schools? Yeah. Were the schools supposed <laughs> to no, be better? No, they were horrible, and they were Crazy. very underfunded. That's and, like a major culture shock. Culture oh, change. it was huge. It was huge. We went from having, like, our grandparents literally in the, the house two doors away and going there every day of our lives and walking up to Clark Street and doing whatever we wanted and running around to Foster Beach, etc. To There was literally tractors on the main roads and we were surrounded by fields. It was like, oh my God, it was horrible. So we all ran home as quick as we could to the city. I had to go back there for the graduation ceremony, literally, because my mom made me. Because I went, I came back to the city so fast after, after that. So, yeah. okay, so a uh, little sailor... Uh, is sad in McHenry County. <laughs> and then what happens after that? Well, I moved back to the city and, you know, just started living my life. I ended up you know, bartending, having kids. So you got married? I did get married. Yeah, I was married. Was, uh, to a I local was. to a local fellow? Uh, yeah, I was married to a Rogers Park guy who had actually been born in Austria. And he moved to, um, he immigrated to this country when, when he, with his parents when he was a kid. And uh, he had grown up in Rogers Park. So we were. What, was, what, did, what did he do for a living? Um. Or didn't he? Uh, he didn't do much. <laughs> um, See, that's a mistake. I, I worked very hard. Let's put like it that way. It's like being married to Bruce. Yeah, exactly. I, I try to explain. <laughs> I try to explain to my daughter. You know, marry guys that work. 
I mean, that's because I didn't, and I realized it is a hardship on the women. Yeah. Uh, it was, he was a talented man. He had a lot of talents. He was How really did good you guys at woodworking meet? and stuff. Um, we met through friends. We met through, you know, my sister actually, I think, is technically the one that um, I was very young. I, I had shame when I was 23. I got married when I was, that, I got married that year. I had to get married, of course. No one I ever <laughs> knew got married for any other reason, being knocked up. Oh. Um, <laughs> so... So you had two lovely kids. I do. I love my children very much. And look, well, I, the boy especially looks just like her. I've seen them well, on pictures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank and, you, and Bruce. Thank you. They're grown they're adults. such sweet kids. Yeah. Such sweet kids. They never do what you want, but they're kind, good people. And so that's, I'm, I'm proud of them. I'm happy with them. Um, we'll talk more about those children soon. But, uh, so you are married and have a couple little kids. Um, born and raised in Andersonville, which I think, you know, to me, that's one of like the core neighborhoods of the city. Well, it wasn't always that way, though. Well, that's, it is that's now. my point is like it's Old Town, right? Old Town, night and day. Well, so Andersonville has, has followed a similar path, like many neighborhoods do, but I feel like for Andersonville, it was like one of these very, I don't know, in a sense, Chicago historic neighborhoods. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, your upbringing, I think you probably had very similar upbringings uh, in seeing these neighborhoods that were just really, truly rooted in blue-collar immigrants. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a really working-class neighborhood. Like, I didn't know anyone whose parents had anything but a, you know, union job or a city job. There was no... I didn't have any neighbors whose dads carried briefcases. You know what I mean? It was up and down the block. It was all working class guys. My dad used to talk about walking down to the Berwinell to, you know, even with his, with the neighbor guys to catch the red line and come downtown and be an iron worker when I was a kid. You know, there, there was no, there was nobody in the neighborhood that didn't have a working class job that I knew about. Now it's hip, it's hip sort of. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, um, okay. So that's the sort of the demographic that you grew up around and, like, when did you personally start seeing... I know that you were in McHenry for a while, but you came back. So when did you personally start seeing some of those changes? Well, after I got married and I, um, you know, had my first kid, you know, my grandfather my grandfather still lived on the block in the same... in our family house my whole life. And uh, so we were always there all the time. And my sister's been working at the local Italian restaurant there for 30-some years now, but... She was working there at the time. So we were always in, in the neighborhood all the time. It wasn't like I ever really left. Um, and real estate started to be just really going through the roof. And what we always knew about it, which that it was a great place to live. It was so close to public transportation and, and awesome to the lake, you know, right there. And walking, you, could, you didn't even have to have a car. You could just walk to everything still. Um, you know, the public started catching on to that. And, and values in real estate started to go up. And so... A, a shithole building came. Oh, can I swear on this? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. You're, Fuck you're, you're yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. So a, a really shitty building uh, went on the market, and and we ended up buying it on that on the block. And so anyway, when I got divorced, I just I made a lot of money off that place. Let's just put it that way. But that's when we started to realize that it was going to be. What year was this about? Um, we bought that place in um, ninety. Oh, we should have hung on to it longer. Well, I had to sell it. I didn't have oh. a choice, Bruce. It's one of my one of my things. I, it took me a long time to get over, Bruce. That that was a big sore spot for me. Well, on my know, block. It's too bad. I, it's know. too bad your ex-husband didn't have an accident. Uh, well, maybe maybe if I had met you earlier, Bruce. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's when we figured it out, and um, you know the the first time that the store in the corner, you know, became the Starbucks. I knew we were in for it. Yeah. That's, that's when I, I saw the handwriting on the wall. You know, it's the junk it. shop became a big yeah. bar. It's got some great bars. Oh, uh, it, it does. It, for, I mean, for a neighborhood, it's, I mean. It, uh, it used to be every other storefront practically was a tavern when I was growing up. I literally, like, you know, that tavern smell when the door opens in the summertime. It's, yeah. They leave it open with a brick, that bad smell. That's every other street, every other place was You've that. got the Swedish Museum there. And oh, yeah. Well, that's still new. a lot of Swedes. That's like some of the old, some of the old uh, businesses from back in the day are Simon's Tavern. Simon's are great um, freaking place. Survivor, that's a real basically. nice. That's a very nice. I love tavern. that joint. Hopley. That was more of a '90s thing, but for sure before the big now, change happened. When, when did it become? That the was big... part of the change, I would say. Yeah, that was. That was that's yeah. kind of one of the. I would say that we can credit Hopleaf as being one of the business to cause that change. 
Yeah, and you know, a lot of people that were foodies that were searching out like different cuisines in Chicago ended up coming up to Andersonville because it had a Middle Eastern, uh, a heavy Middle Eastern population, and we had two really good Middle Eastern restaurants there still um, that are still there, yeah. and and that brought a lot of people into yeah. the rest, into the neighborhood who were kind of like, wow, this is quaint and. The streets are safe, and it's the housing stock is beautiful. It's all graystones, pretty much. That's what my oh, it's very all nice. All my houses yeah. were graystones yeah. on the block, you know, and, and that's that's what really drew people to the neighborhood. But as far as Hopleaf goes, it's kind of funny because all those neighborhood regulars that were still there and had grown up around there and, and known everybody, that was never our place. It was always sure. like people that were you'd say, "Where are you from?" And I'd be like, "Well, I'm from Anderson." We'd be like, "Oh, Hopleaf," and it was like. Yeah, yeah, then the, you sort of realize your neighborhood's being identified by a place that you never go to, and it's weird. You yeah, know? because, you know, when I, I know Michael and Louise who opened that place in the 90s, and what they did was they really just sort of took an old sort of old man bar. Yeah, sense, yeah, it was, it was, that was one of those taverns I'm talking and, about. And, you know, he talks about taking it over and it being in such disrepair, and not only that, but, like, the issues around just bad beer and also doing like illegal things in the inside and it really took him a long time to sort what, of what kind of illegal things uh, you name it it occurred prostitution all of the above Ooh. um but you know his main goal was to make it nice and to also provide beer that wasn't he was one of the very first craft beer bars in the city um, and introduce some food. So, I mean, the work that he had done to sort of just start to just... And it wasn't even about, like, I don't think Michelle, like, saying, you know, making a name for themselves in terms of Andersonville. I think it was just, like, one of those things where, like us, we just do things that we love to do. Yeah, they just happened to be there is my impression. Yeah. It, it, it could have been in any neighborhood. He just happened to buy that property, and that's just what he was in. Because it was affordable for, for well, that point what, in time. What yeah. year, or has it always been known as a lesbian neighborhood? When, when did it get that identification? So that's pretty hilarious um, for me personally is because my block, Berwyn, that I grew up on, which I will say here is the best block in Andersonville, okay? Okay. Um, it's the widest and the prettiest. No argument um, here. Yeah. Um, sure. And has the Sold. best houses, okay? Uh the house that the first lesbian couple in the entire neighborhood lived in was on my block, and I knew them when I was well, little. What year How do you know that? this? How do I know How do you know, know, they, were the how do you know they were the first because ones? Because they were the first ones. Come they you were the first how ones. How do you know that, though? You got Gator. It's called Gator. Aren't there people in the closet? I'll tell you how I do know because they, well, they were the first, okay, good point, but they were the first openly gay I am a couple openly and we gay. bought a house okay. together and we now are going to oh, live out okay. in the open on this block when in the 70s when I was a little kid. And the funny thing is, is that by the time I moved back into the neighborhood with my kids when I was little in the very early 90s, they were like elderly couple that were now my neighbors down the block and we, I used to take my kids over there and go say hi to them all the time. So they became so, like so what my year, neighbors. what year were they at when did they move into there? No, it was I mean, the what, 70s. It was in the I 70s. I mean, but when it, when it, because what I, let's see, I lived in Rogers Park in uh, the early 80s, and it would have the identification as a lesbian neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, you, oh, yeah. By the 80s, bar? it did? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. Because huh. that was the 70s that they first moved on to my block. Well, hey, for hey, sure. hey, on a second. This is interesting because if you look at like some gay history in the city of Chicago, the first gay neighborhood is technically by Water Tower. It's called Tower Town. And that's where the first gay people sort of established themselves. And then they couldn't afford it anymore. What, are we ta- what year are we talking about, Liz, this for is that? Like, this is like the, the 20s, 30s, 40s. And then they couldn't afford it anymore, so then they get pushed into a neighborhood that becomes more affordable. And guess where that is? Old Town. Right? Oh, still is. <laughs> <laughs> but you had all kinds of gay bars. and Anyway, so... People just keep getting pushed, right? And that's, I don't, whether you're straight or gay or whatever. Well, what, when when did Boys pushed. Town become uh, So that's the thing. So, or, so the or next, a.k.a. The next, Wrigleyville Cubs. The next stop was Boys Town, or, uh, yeah, Lakeview. And I want to say that that really started, um, you know, the Gold Coast and Old Town became this hub in that, like, there was, like, the whole Gold Coast had the very first leather bar. Right, something that was totally unheard of. What was it? What was that called? It's called the I gold, love... the gold star. Oh, the, go- the, no, gold... the gold coast. I think. No, gold... the gold something. I because I went there. And there the was golden a, cock ring. One, one side, one side had a big S, and the other side had a big M. And Arthur took me in there what, years ago, 
and it was great. I mean, we're all in there. Guys are wearing these. All, 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 all these guys are wearing leather and shit. And then some guy leans over and says something to one guy. He takes out a cigarette and puts it out on the guy's, Ow. the guy's wrist. And they just and then they hugged each. Oh, it was great. You know, you would actually appreciate that bar from a different uh, perspective. So the owner, um, who was, uh, uh, I think his name was Chuck Renslow. He again, oh, yeah, Chuck Renslow. he was a pioneer in like really just saying, you know what, we're gonna do this. We're gonna be out here. A leather bar for gay men, and just go with it. And his partner was a very famous uh, painter named Etienne. Who? Oh. Etienne. Yeah. And Etienne is. decided to do a big mural on the outside of the bar that was men in leather and somewhat effeminate, some not, like you know, against a motorcycle. And that's how you would kind of know what to expect on the inside, right? And so there used to be all these raids. Cops would go in there and beat the shit out of people all the time. You know, get very homophobic. And it was sort of part of life. Like, they accepted it or they would pay off some cops or do whatever. And one time, if I, get, if I, if I remember this correctly from the history, is that one of the cops or something happened that said, fix that fucking mural to make it less homo. And you won't have as much trouble, or something like that. I could that could be totally wrong, but anyway. So then a tan goes and puts a woman in the mural, standing next to one of the guys, and she's very like uh, uh, like Rizzo esque in terms of like Greece, just oh, yeah. sort of you know she's a biker chick, right? And so I guess maybe they gave him a little bit less trouble, but it's a very famous mural, and it actually is in the in the archives of the Chicago History Museum. So it's a really cool. I, I feel like that was like one of the very first like. But they had a lot of gay art. bars there. Oh yeah, for sure. They had, there was a place called Kitty Sheen's. Arthur loved it. Don't know that and, one. Well, it was piss elegant, and you'd walk in there, and Governor Thompson, he was not governor at that time, and that's why he never became vice president because of his little. Big Bill Thompson. Yeah. Oh God, he was really? screaming fucking queen. No kidding. And he would sit right I at the bar this. with a bunch of these guys in suits. But it was really, it was, you know, a piss-elegant gay thing. And, wow. um, yeah, it was, but but you, you had the, the biker one. Of the, well, these guys weren't bikers. I don't think they ever even actually had motors there. But they dressed like bikers at that. Um, oh, yeah, at, they at love the that. the S&M bar. Yeah, that's I mean, their but thing. But there were some really famous, um, the big one was out on, um, on the Grange Road called Ed, the guy, some former uh, Green Bay Packer. Player, what the hell was the name of that place? It was legendary. No name on the, no name on the bar, but it was really big. It was really big, and uh, they finally bust. Oh, Tony Accardo used to use it as where he, the outfit head of the outfit. He would deliver beer like he never was a, he delivered beer in his work, um, in his life. But that's how he, you know, he, he got money for it. But there was because I knew all the gay guys from the Ale House. And that, because I had a car, they had me driving around to all these places, so I got to see all these great gay bars. Yeah, um, you're right, it was called the Gold Coast. It was, yeah, the Gold, Gold Coast, Coast. Yeah. See? Ha, ha, ha. I never said you were wrong. I know my gay bars better than you do. <laughs> I hope so, being that you're in gay porn. Well, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I, I think that the Boys Town situation really starts to emerge in the 80s. So, if... But, but again, but again, and, and you know the funny thing about that whole, is talking about the gay migration now uh, around the city. Kind of a weird way to put it, but um, the funny thing is, is that you know the lesbos um, and the neighborhood regulars that stayed in Andersonville, and it always was a pretty nice, you know, quiet neighborhood. To be really honest, I know people think it made this big comeback, but it never really got that bad there. It was actually still very nice, and there was a lot of, you know. It was, it, was kind of, it was it was just kind of it was it was a little funky right around uh, it, 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 it went through some cool, changes a lot yeah. of the old Swedes left but it never got like dangerous oh, no, there no 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 um, it was no, no but um, a lot of the boys now the gay boys have left Boys Town and are moving up to Andersonville yeah it's it, it's well, becoming it's more nicer. of a, just a gay neighborhood yeah it's, it's, and it's a it's lesbian all, neighborhood yeah it's, so it's I feel like there nice. was a major distinction between Boys Town being it, boys yeah, absolutely Anderson being ladies Girls. there was and now yeah. it's sort of and both now neighborhoods both. are everything now it's yeah, yeah but when yeah. I used to drive a cab back in the early 60s you worked there, uh, briefly my dad part drove a cab too for a while part time checker means courtesy um I did but there was there was um 
there was a lesbian bar up there. I had to go in because some woman didn't have the money, and so I went in there. Oh my God, that was something. That was a, it was a big, really. I mean, it was what a year, submission. What years were these? This would have been um, mid, mid-60s. That was a big lesbian Oh, it might have been... Um, before my time. It might have been Club Paris. I don't know what it was, that but was boy. Yeah, and I wouldn't have wanted to... I wouldn't, there was some, some of the lesbian girls in there I didn't, wouldn't have wanted to duke it out with. Oh, yeah. yeah. Were, you know, the sad tuppies. thing about lesbian bars is they don't really last because, you know, lesbos meet each other and then that's it. They never go out ever again. They are different than, yeah. than the boys. The so, boys are a little more promiscuous. The boys promiscuous. are always looking. But yeah, the yeah. boys, no matter what, they got one, but they're just looking to yeah, see what else no, is available, no, they, you know? Yeah, they're they're uh, a little more promiscuous. You know, lesbos, it's the U-Haul joke, you know? We went on our first date, we brought the U-Haul because we knew we were going to move in together. Okay, so that's a good segue into the fact that you ended up getting a divorce. I did. I did. Thank God. And, Best thing uh, I ever did in my life. We're able to... Uh, make some changes oh yeah and yep. uh, realize that you were not meant to be with men no no I was not um, yeah I had to come around to that and, and get my I learned that too get myself <laughs> <laughs> do tell Bruce did you have some experiences oh. with men that we should know yeah, about the gay porn thing which yeah. you know got old yeah um, but you so another sort of uh, I think interesting story about your life and your past <clears throat> and how it affects your present relates to, to this particular place is that you bartended for a long time. Oh yeah, I bartended for more than uh, 10 years. I raised my kids on uh, on tips. I, uh, I love bartending. Someday I will bartend again. It is my dream to uh, return to bartending well, someday. We might point out that right currently she's saving lives. And some of these <laughs> we'll lives are we'll some of that. these lives are not really worth saving. But <laughs> we'll get to that. So you bartended at a bar that no longer exists called the BC Tap. I did. That was the that was uh, the last place that I bartended Clark and at. Clark yeah, it oh. was it was owned by a, um, a family friend, um, uh, Andersonville family, the Clancy's. Uh, I worked for the brother Kevin, and then I ended up working for the brother Brendan, and uh, that was his last place that he had in Chicago, and it was a conspiracy from the alderman in the neighborhood who had it in for Brendan and uh, put him in front of the uh, liquor council. Who was the alderman? It was uh, Bitchface, as I like to say, Bitchface Marianne Smith. Oh, yeah. Stab her in the eye if I ever get the chance. Good, good. Watch out. I'm coming for you. You have to have goals. (laughs) Um, yeah, so she started the whole thing because she had it in for him. He had run for alderman as a young man and was, uh, he almost won. And she was the heir apparent to Kathy Osterman, who was a wonderful alderman. We loved her. And, I, I, uh, I knew her. Yeah, and she, her son Harry ended up being a state rep. Well, she was yeah. tied with Daly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She ended up being special uh, events. Oh, yeah. yeah she got she special got, events. By the way, yeah. Lois, uh, who we were going to have, is a, well, uh, she got Lois a job and Mike Tui. Yeah. Oh, both nice. really good she, jobs. She's a very nice lady. Oh, she took yeah. care of her. She took yes. care of her friends. And she took care of our ward. She was a good alderman. And um, after she was stepping down or whatever happened with you know her career, Brendan ran. And, oh, she, um, got, she got sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she ended up dying of breast cancer. Yeah. Um, but uh, Brendan ran for alderman, and his campaign as a young guy was a little, uh, you know, aggressive. I don't think he thought he, a would, he, would, the he would probably do as well as he actually did. And uh, Marianne Smith did not take a liking to Brendan. And so after that whole thing settled down and she had the opportunity to sort of stick it to him, she did. And uh, whatever was going on, you know, bars back in the day, it wasn't always exactly the way it was supposed to be. Transfer the license, blah, 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 blah. But she caused a big issue for him. And... He fought it for many, many years, and she ended up getting her way, and the bar ended up having to close. But anyway, I love that place. I met so many lifelong friends, including Liz, there. Oh, oh. Still being my friend all these years later. Was um, there violin music? What what exactly took place? I think, place? Uh, you know, uh, we, Michelle and I have very similar backgrounds. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. I think we have very similar values in life, and uh, we just kind of clicked. We became friends. Pretty quickly. And despite what I, you know, do for a living, and I, I always have, I should have um, gotten into the history world like Liz did because I love history. So I'm a history geek. I don't do anything professionally around that, but I love that, and so I think we hit it off 
and that kind of thing. Like talking about the city and blah, 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 history about that, about beer, yada, yada. My grandpa was a, a teamster my whole life. Um, he delivered beer, and I've always loved beer. So we had a lot to talk about. A lot about. in common. Uh, yeah, and we'd find ourselves going out, drinking, and talking about Chicago and history. So yeah. it was a win-win. Easy peasy. So you went from... Let me ask you this. Are you able to share some interesting stories from your bartending days? Why, um, why, why not? I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I have that many interesting stories. I was kind of around when that whole, like... Um, cocktail craze kind of came off and I had I had worked um, down at the Standard Club Chicago you know to, to help pay for my kids you know to just to make a living and I, I learned how to make some of those drinks and so I got what, what were those people like at the Standard Club? Um, if they were so the interesting thing which I think can be said about every um, community in this country if you're from really really old money where you just automatically had it and never had to think about it you're probably a really nice, decent person. If really? you, yeah, if you've struggled and you are recently a millionaire or nouveau, reach. yeah, and you're just pushing yourself into that life, and and I'm got into this club now, and I'm now I made it. You are probably not a very nice person. See, I found just the opposite when I was a caddy. The old money wouldn't tip. The new, the nouveau reach, the new money they would tip. I, I was the exact opposite, Chris. Really? I got to be really honest. I couldn't. I couldn't have loved my old timers more. Um, people that didn't have to think about it were just very generous. Oh. I had my families that would have me back every year for uh, the high holidays because they would come there to the club instead of having it at their house. Every year, I would go back and take care of those people. Hmm. Like, and I'm, I, I, that was the exact opposite of what you're saying. I love them. Hmm. Um. So, you know, we talk about bars a lot on this show. Obviously, the whole show is centered around a bar. And, uh, you know, what if you had to describe what makes a good bar and a good bar woman in terms of a, a bartender uh, and seeing all the people come and go, what would you, what would you say that is? I think um, it's exactly as cheesy as the song says. Everybody wants to go where somebody knows your name. And so if you come into a bar a couple times I felt like I, I had a thing that I would really make an effort to talk to the people and I would actually try to know what they drank. Everyone wants to go to a place where they go, oh you're you know, you're scotch and soda, right? Or you're, you oh, know, yeah. you're Definitely. people want that. You yes, want your you know what, Liz, do you always talk about your, your third place, right? It was home, it was church and it was it was your tavern or work or whatever you know, um, that's I actually felt that way about my, my place of, of work. I always did really well. I always made shit ton of money bartending because I, they became like my family. What, what year was that when you were bartending? What, what um, I guess I probably started in 93 or 4, and I already had my medic license and, and was working as a medic on the street, and I still couldn't give it up because I loved it so much. So that was at least 2000 and... Shit, uh, maybe nine, I guess. No, 2006, I don't know, something you know, like that. You know, back in the 50s and the early 60s, women couldn't be a bartender, couldn't bartend in Chicago unless they're, they're, they were the daughter or the wife of the owner. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I never knew that, that first. That, that yes. was from basically the, since Chicago started issuing liquor licenses in the 1830s. So That's that would been have been. Rule. Wow, I it had wasn't, no idea. It wasn't until the 1970s. And then there was this drastic transformation where all of a sudden every bar had women. But then some of the smarter guys started thinking, well, wait a second, you know, yeah, guys will come in to see, you know, because they're, they're hot for the women bartender. But you're better off with a guy that women come in to see because then guys come in to see all the broads of the bar. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, who was your clientele? Locals? It was one of the greatest bars. Um, I feel like we had this like sort of like little tiny spot in time that will never happen again, where Andersonville was in a really kind of a transitional time in its its history. We still had so many of the neighborhood regulars that were still living there, um, and then we had. A lot of the young sort of um, creative types. We had a big theater group 
that was always in there. You still do have uh, that yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Um, we just we, we just had everybody. We had guys after work um, in their muddy work boots that would come in and, and stay till well past they should have. We had the Sunday, you know, everyone bring in a dish um, for the football game crowd. We had the guys, you know, with strip cards, um, the dart league. But we also had, like, the um, after church come in and have one Bloody Mary. You can bring your grandma in there, you know what I mean? My kids would come in sometimes and, you know, eat popcorn out of our machine and, and play the golf game. Um, it was a, but, but we, And then we had all the, the lesbos, so that's... They felt welcome too. Um, that, it was a wonderful mix. It was a really, really nice mix of people. Yeah. It was one of those weird little Chicago things, I think, when you walked in that bar. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, I think that's. It was a classic neighborhood bar. It was. It was a completely. And, and which classic Mayor Daly bar. did everything he could do to get rid of. Yes, and, and that's what I was saying. Every other house, every other doorfront, I swear to God, literally when I was a kid, walking up and down Clark Street, was a tavern. And I can walk up that street now and say that was a tavern, that was a tavern, that was, and they're and they're they're gone, you know. I usually mourn all of the taverns that close. I do. I I mean I I do, but the one place that recently closed that I mourned heavily was a Swedish bakery. Oh my God! Don't even get me started. Oh my, you know the horrible. That was right on the corner. Wasn't that on the corner of Foster and Clark? Or? Yeah, it was just right off the corner. Right off the corner. Yeah. No, it's uh, it was, it's, it's, no, no, it's further north. It was, it was, it was just south of Belmoral on Clark Street on the on the west uh, side of the street. Yeah, I I grew up going in there. I took my kids in there every day. Um, yeah, my grandma, like I said, is from Sweden. So especially after she passed, and even as an adult, when I wasn't really going up there to get bread from her anymore. That was my source for limpa bread and all my goodies that I would eat every every day. Um, literally, I would go in there at least every other day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that sucked. That was just last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Jeez. Time flies. Um, okay, so you are now bartending, raising your kids, and you end up getting a divorce. You realize that you're going to make some changes in your life. And one thing that you end up doing is leaving bartending after BC Tap closes, and you become a paramedic. Yeah, I. Um, yeah, my mom's side of the family, all the men in the family are were uh, Chicago Fire Department guys, and I kind of grew up around that. And I would just be that kid who's with giant ears who still my personality to sit and listen to stories I love stories yeah. it's part of the bartending thing too I like to sit around and talk to people so I was the all the rest of my cousins would be running around like maniacs and I would be like on the edge of my seat listening to my uncles talk about the fire that they were just at you know or, or the politics of what was going on I remember this 80 strike you know the, the talk about the strike you know blah 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 um, so I love that. I love oh, the department. That, that was real nasty. Oh, it was. It got it got the kind cop, of ugly. The, for I don't know for how many years the cop, the cops and fire department hated each other. Man, I was oh, bars well. where they get fights. Oh, well, you, should, you think that was bad in the houses? The guys that crossed the line. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, that's still no, kind I, of a sore spot. I and think it's that, all these years later. Those guys are all retiring. Yeah, now the guys still, still refer to guys that that the picket the cross the picket line. Oh yeah. Um, so I just love that, of all, that, that of, whole culture. Yeah, of all professions, to best prepare you to be a paramedic, I think it's bartending. Absolutely. I, I tell people that. Like, I learned the interpersonal relationship skills of how to deal with my drunks and just the different personalities and the problems from stuff that I learned. Not, not only just from bartending, but, you know, my family and stuff, but a lot of it came from bartending. A lot of it. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I have like a, a little side joke with Michelle that um, she comes on a lot of my tours, na like you know, local, national, international, and we hang out a lot. And I always tell her that I'm secretly just her friend, so that I always have a paramedic around me to save well, my life I'm, I'm in feeling, case something happens. I'm feeling a little more secure tonight, right? So we're on. Uh, I got you, Bruce. I got we're you. We're on the Genius Death Watch Day Seven. Yeah. Although I do want to say I'm like a plumber without a toolbox right now. So basically all I could do for you, Bruce, is, is basically chest compressions. And oh, I'll I'm, have Ruth I'm, I'm, give was, you mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping for a little mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can explain to Ruth how to do it. I yeah, I think you should, we should show her for reals. Okay. <laughs> right, we'll do that later. Um, 
so it's uh, all right, Liz. You, you, for whatever reason you want me around, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I just want to hang out. So. Uh, so, as you know, the genius about a week ago had a, a, a issue, and he still continues. Well, um, but I'm really concerned about the fact that he just a doesn't take care of himself. B is sort of very. I, I take care. You're very. Of you're just very uh, 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 complacent about your health care. Well, I'm alive. Yeah, but. <laughs> Bottom line. I, I think that you need to like start. Taking, if you won't take advice from me or, or guidance from me, and then I think maybe you should talk to Michelle. And Michelle thinks I'm doing everything perfectly. Well, he has a lot of appointments lined up, and I'm I'm happy yeah. about that. Yeah, I got a new one on Thursday. He's gonna get, go get an echo, um, and that's good. He he needs an echo. Did we find out if you're on blood thinners? I am. I take a ask baby aspirin, which is nothing. Oh, yeah, I used to take baby aspirin. Well, I mean, I guess that thins your fucking blood. I mean, I've never. It does. I'm it not does. a hemophiliac, so what the fuck? I'm not concerned about. Just don't fall down and hit your head, Bruce. Yeah, maybe I will. <laughs> um, I'm a rebel. Yeah, I, that's yeah. Well, maybe. Um. <clears throat> so, um, your kids are awesome. Thank you. And uh, how many years have you been? Uh, I, I feel like it's not fair to talk about your kids, even though I love them to death, because um, they're not here. I want to I talk about her, her profession, current yeah. profession. How long have you been doing that? Um, I've been on the fire department now for um, 13. I'm in my 14th year. Wow. And um, I had my license probably for about four years, I guess, before I got the job. Yeah. But everybody knows her because when Hawkeye um, had his recent accident by being stupid and put, trying to put his glove on while he's riding his bike in yeah. inclement conditions, when they, when, they, when they finally showed, he started, you know, which in Chicago is very smart, throw out names. And everybody knew who uh, paramedic Michelle was. It, it's a small community. I think that it, it's one of those... It's, it truly is. There's there's 5,000, uh, give or take, firemen in Chicago, and there's 500 medics. That's it? That's it. There's 500 of us that are on the ambulance solely. There's a lot of guys that have crossed over oh. and they're on the engines, but on the ambulances, on the four shifts in the city, there's only 500, of, uh, give or take, of us. And, and we need more, but they haven't hired enough people to is replace there, our ranks. Is there money to hire more? Oh, there's money for a basketball stadium yeah. for DePaul. You know what? I, it's priorities. Here, here, what, I, what's what's our culture about priorities? I right? have. A, I have. A, well, my, I, I guess I'm going with is that is that something that the the, the city is doing? No, and I'll tell you what there's, my suggestion. There's no class in right now. See, the um, I, you know we don't need three guys on a fucking uh, garbage truck. If you look at independent guys, one guy does the whole thing. So you have two guys on a garbage truck. Take one off. You can hire more cops and fire uh, paramedics and firemen. There's all kinds of crap you could do. Why didn't you ever run for mayor? Well, because um, I have personality disorders. You know, yeah. the, you know my um, my neighborhood when I was bartending, they they wanted me. I, I testified in front of the liquor commission on, on um, Brennan's behalf when I was bartending for him, and apparently I was extremely eloquent. I'm, I was probably drunk. I don't know. Hey, you, could, you they, could do they, everything Kathy Osterman could do. Believe they, me. They all pressured me and wanted me to run for alderman, and I I'm, I don't know, Bruce. I'm not going to assume, but I said, well, I got a past. I can't run for alderman. I'm just saying, Bruce, well, you it might said, be the case with you, too. No, no. You should have... Well, no, no. <laughs> no, you, you have far less issues than I do. Believe me. I, I mean, people, a lot of people don't like me. Instinctively, people don't like me either, Bruce. No, I like you, and that, no, I like that's, you that's, that's why you guys like each other. Yeah, because nobody likes you. Well, that's you a like lie. her. That's a lie. I do. You like her. I like you both. Well, I like you both. Oh wow! Well, that's you each. Stuff. You each have a lot of friends. Stop being trying to be that. Person. No, but I think Michelle's far more electable to, than I am. I, mean, uh, I agree with that for yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't think anybody can argue with that. I'm too lazy now, just to be very honest. What does that mean? Yeah, but it's too money. lazy to make any. Actual effort at running for anything. Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking at down the road um, finding a comfortable bartending spot after my retirement. Well, you might not have far to travel. Coming attractions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you got a lot of uh, paramedicking days in your future. I got about eight more years. I'm going to do twenty now. 
is my plan. With 20 years and I'm going to leave. Plan. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm 50 now, so I'm thinking I won't be able to carry um, the ever-expanding uh, girth of People the population. People are getting fatter of American. And fatter and fatter. The American um, cheeseburger eater is uh, will break my back if I get much <laughs> older. I'll be 58, and uh, I'm thinking that's going to be it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, they better hire plan. more fast. Yeah. A lot of fat um, people. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up the show with a, one other major, major connection that the Swedish sailor and I have. Like, the, probably the I would say probably the most, besides just Chicago in general, and our backgrounds, and our love of history, I would say the true, true core, the thing that makes this relationship tick is our shared love, like not even love, like intensity for the Chicago Cubs. Oh, so for hey, what? Chicago, what do you say? See, Cubs Michelle has And I only bring it up because you Michelle had to start the show being all squawky about the damn Wrigley Field. No. Michelle, has a, fan. Michelle has a better excuse because she lived in, she could have walked from her house. I did, very so often. How long would it take? Um, it took about, if I hurried, it took about 20 minutes. And how long would it take you to walk? Well, I'm shorter than she is. They have very long legs. Yeah, she's really tall, actually. And I was always in a big yeah, hurry she tall. to I know, get I'm there. significantly shorter, so it probably would have taken me, I don't know, 35? Yeah, that's probably Yeah, my favorite spot was behind the Hawk, Andre Dawson, greatest cub of yeah. all time. Andre, if you're listening, I love you. Yeah, I compared to, I, I mean, there's, there's a guy, Andre Dawson, compared to Ernie. Now, Ernie was a hell of a player, but Ernie just insisted on losing. Andre... Andre actually won. That's horrible. By the way. It's horrible. God, I cried when he died. I know. I knew yeah. about we him were dying to... before anyone else. Yeah, she told me. She, she yeah, said but he didn't owe you any money. He wasn't a welcher. He didn't welch with you on the golf course. Oh, was oh, that right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, he was a dirty oh, motherfucker. <laughs> dirty motherfucker. Oh. We went out into the street and saluted his casket as it went by. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean, you vomited. I actually went to his, uh, his wake. I went to the lake. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Mr. Flub. I go to his gravesite often, actually. Yeah, in Graceland. Oh, I'll go there sometime yeah. and take a piss. No, oh, no. my God, Bruce. See, that's horrible. $65 piss. It's sacrilegious. It's horrible. Um, but anyway, that was my spot. I sat behind Andre, and I would always yell to him, Andre, yeah, He was good. You. I liked Andre. I know he I knew like, that I was there. So I liked Andre. It. So I have a good story, which involves Michelle. My favorite cub of all time, I'm just going to put it out there, is Ryan Santa. Okay? Speaking of another guy, love losing. Very talented. Love losing. Wonderful player. Wonderful player. So just played his heart out, Bruce. Adored. game. And when he could have tr been traded to a winner, you know what he said? No, I'm not going anywhere. I want to lose here. That's, that, I don't think, whatever. We have such different opinions. You're never going to win. Well, he was even, good. We all agree he was don't good. Don't even ingest it. Did he you ever notice purpose. he never won? Ernie ever won? Did you ever notice that? They're winners in my heart. Yeah. They well, won the hearts of all Chicago. Okay, because you're so not the South Side Chicago. No, what the and, fuck's well, those people don't give their hearts away. This away is Cub fan talk. Okay, so my favorite Cub is Ryan Sandberg, number 23. I'm going to leave that over here on this part I, of the He had the, my favorite player wife was Samberg's Cindy wife. Sandberg? She was fucking everybody. You know, somebody... Oh, God. Oh, that she, Lord Jesus. She was fucking the whole Bear team one time. She she loved gangbangs. Remember when you retired oh the first time? God. When she retired the first time, she had that see-through goddamn... No, I don't know about the stuff. Are you, talking, are you talking about Mark Grace's wife? Oh, that was Michelle. Her name was I don't Michelle. Think Mark Never Grace mind. ever married. No, I'm talking about Samberg's. He, 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 he was a sex addict, Mark Grace. I, you guys are ruining my but, story. But Mark Grace, okay, sorry. I never heard anything bad about him other than, yeah, he did like pussy and smoke. He was cute. Really cute. But, um, yeah, no, Sandberg's wife was a nympho. I, I, I kind of liked her. Oh, God. Well, he uh, had no personality. He was absolutely avoided. Okay, so my favorite cover is Ryan Sandberg, number 23. I'm just going to leave that there. Side story. Michelle and I have been friends for a long time. We've seen each other, like I said at the beginning of the show, through good and bad, and a lot of that good and bad is matters of the heart. Oh, yeah. And uh, 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 recently, <clears throat> there was another woman in our circle of friends who'd been around for a couple years. And uh, in May of last year, we were all at Mayfest in Lincoln Square. 
And I turned to her and turned to the to the other girl and said, well, what the hell? Why don't you two just date? And they looked at me like I was crazy. They started laughing. They were, like, weird about it. And I was like, well, I mean, it makes no sense. Like, you like this, you like that. There's a lot of in common. You're both single. You're both attractive. Make it happen. And they thought I was crazy. So, um... I uh, saw them again about a month later at a bar in Andersonville. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we were there. Uh, Actually, it was oh. Miss, it was Midsummer Fest. What was that? I don't remember. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Midsummer Fest. Right. Uh, and every, the whole gang, the whole gang was out, and these two were there, and I'm looking at them going, "So did one of you ask the other one out yet?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about." So finally I was like, oh, what the fuck, you guys? Like, this is ridiculous. Make it happen. So then they started chatting, and lo and behold, they went on a date. And lo and behold, they went on another one, and another one, and another one. And to this day, now, I've never seen Michelle this glowing and this happy. Well, I've met her, and she's very nice. Yeah. yeah. I am blissfully happy. Yeah. Oh, oh Bruce genius. lost. The, you were right. You were right. Liz. Those were not on very well, were they? Those headphones. He's uh, he's a curious little fellow. So um, I am responsible for this uh, oh, matchup. Oh, you're taking credit. I'm oh, ta- she gives me full credit. Well, I'm getting. Yeah, I, I absolutely take full. We give her credit. I take full credit for you and the Goat Girl because I per- went on a total vendetta against uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> okay, but this is not about that. I, I well, let's talk about the time over no, in we, Scotland we, when. When uh, the Swedish sailor had the hots for this broad from Australia, and the creature from she the black was so hot. I didn't find her that, but anyway, she liked you. Well, I know she did because I was describing how I won the uh, world champion pussy licking contest oh, in '63 and '65. So, but the creature from the black lagoon, just out of pure spite, kept trying to muscle in. I that mean, was, that actually was very is very accurate. And it was it totally very inappropriate, obviously. It was totally reasons. inappropriate. And, she, and by the way, you were there and you had to witness it. I know. I was Whatever. shocked and offended. Okay, but this is not about that. My story is about the fact that Ryan Sandberg is my favorite player. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I went through this process with uh, Swedish Sailor and this remember girl. Who, remember who they traded for him? Larry Ball. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Larry Ball. Remember, yeah. was he 11? Nine. He was from Philadelphia. Anyway, so um, she gi- they give me credit for this matchup. Absolutely, we do. So one day this you past summer. give me summer, credit for you and go? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, good. So one day this past summer, we all go out to uh, dinner, and they're all giddy. And I'm like, what's going on? And they hand me this bag. And in the bag, I pull out a genuine Chicago Cubs jersey, number 23, Ryan Sandberg. And it says, uh, go Cubs, go, or something like, uh, to Liz, go Cubs, go. Yes. Ryan Sandberg signed. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably one of the best gifts I've ever received. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, I've wanted to wear it, but they're like, no, 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 you can't wear it. No, no, you can wear it if you want. I, I just, I, I mean, I, I have one, too, that he signed for me, and I've decided that I'm going to, I'm going to frame it. I'm not going to wear it, yeah. but... But you should wear it if you want. I mean, I, I don't want to ruin it. Well, it's up to you. You know, I mean, spill like wing sauce on it or oh, yeah, ketchup something. You know, right, right. So I think I'm gonna frame it too. Maybe I'll give us a two for one deal. Yeah. Okay. Know. All right. But uh, um, my significant other, through her professional life, had a little connection to him and took full opportunity. And it was her idea. She said, "We have to thank Liz because we wouldn't be together if it weren't for her." And you do deserve full credit because you did just give us not just the nudge, but you kind of made us feel stupid for not asking each other out. And it was. It was one of those don't be stupid moments. Not once, and but twice. Yeah, so it was good. It was good. Thank uh, you, Liz. You're, you're Thank quite you. welcome. I'm so happy that you're so happy. Yes, I was I was alone for seven whole years, everybody. Seven. And I'm very happy. I was happy. there. I saw well, it. She, I, she was there. And they were all making fun of me. How come you're not dating? How no, come you're not dating? No, I didn't dating? make fun of you. It was and, more like, and, and, oh, man, this sucks. She's such a good person. Well, yeah, I guess it kind of was more of that, but, yeah. But anyway. Well, I like her. She's great. She's great. She's good to me. We have a good time together. Yeah. Um, okay, we need to wrap this up. Does she have a job, up. by the way? Yeah. <laughs> yes, she is employed. I, I would never date an unemployed person ever again, Bruce. Ah, good play. Good play. <laughs> again. Live, I li- actually <laughs> learned from that one. Oh, that's good. People Some with people jobs don't. are a good thing. Oh, I... 
That's right. Nobody's been a greater feminist than I and wanted equal pay for equal work than, than the genius. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing I've pointed out in the past. There is nothing that excites me more sexually than seeing a woman coming home from work. Nothing. <laughs> the three greatest words in, in the history of the world are from a woman. Honey, I'm home. <laughs> from, from work. work. All right, five. Yeah, five. Oh, Lordy. Anyway, all right, we need to wrap this up. Uh, Swedish Taylor, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I feel very honored. We didn't get to d- discuss all the people that uh, she saved, but we can maybe some other time. Another time. I'm happy to fill a void in your <laughs> schedule at any time. Uh, Rock and Roll Ruth, thank you for all the delicious beverages you've provided us this evening. Thank you, Ruth. Uh, Jordan, as always. Uh, thank God somebody comes on time and takes care of business. Thank God you come on time, Jordan, and thank God you know what you're doing over there. Nice thank you. God, because nobody else knows what the fuck they're doing. This is a, this true is, story, true story. This is quite apparent at this point. True story. We are absolutely helpless without Jordan. No shit. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, say goodnight, genius. Goodnight, genius. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.